Chapter Eleven of the Little Colonel in Arizona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel in Arizona by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Eleven. The New Border at Lee's Ranch mary could hardly wait to tell the news to phil and mrs lee she ran nearly all the way from the wigwam to the ranch her hat in her hand and the lid of her lunch basket flapping long before she came within calling distance she saw phil mount his horse out by the pasture bars and ride slowly along the driveway which led past the tents to the public road with the hope of intercepting him she dashed on still more wildly but her shoestring tripped her and she was obliged to stop to tie them glancing up as she jerked them into hard knots she breathed a sigh of relief for he had drawn rein to speak to mr ellestad and the new boarder who were sitting in the sun near the bamboo arbor then just as he was about to start on again mrs lee came singing out to the tents with an armful of clean towels and he called to her some question which brought her laughing to join the group thankful for these two delays mary went dashing on toward them so breathlessly that phil gave a whistle of surprise as she turned in at the ranch what's the matter mary he called indians after you again no <gasps> she panted throwing herself down on the dry bermuda grass and wiping her flushed face on her sleeve i am on my way to school i just stopped by with a message and i thought you'd like to hear the news well that depends began phil teasingly we hear so little out on this lonely desert that our systems may not be able to stand the shock of anything exciting if it's good news maybe we can bear it if you break it to us gently if it's bad you'd better not run any risks where ignorance is bliss tis folly to be wise you know oh come now tremont that's too bad laughed mr ellestad don't heed her off that way when she's in such a hurry to tell it then go on mary said phil gravely mr ellestad's curiosity is greater than his caution and mr armand hasn't been in the desert long enough to be affected by its dearth of news so anything sudden can't hurt him go on mary stole a glance at the new border the long slender fingers smoothing his closely clipped pointed beard hid the half-smile that lurked around his mouth he was leaning back in his camp-chair apparently so little interested in his surroundings that mary felt that his presence need not be taken into account any more than the bamboo arbors well she said as if announcing something of national importance joyce has an order an order repeated phil what under the canopy is that is it catching don't pay any attention to him mary mr ellestad hastened to say seeing a little distressed pucker between her eyes phil is a trifle slow to understand but he wants to hear just as much as we do well it's an order to paint some cards explained mary speaking very slowly and distinctly in her effort to make the matter clear to him you know the links back in plainsville mrs lee 
You've heard me talk about Grace Link ever so many times. Her cousin Cecilia is to be married soon, and her bridesmaids are all to be girls that she studied music with at the Boston Conservatory. So her aunt Sue, that's Mrs. Link, is going to give her a bridal musical. It's to be the finest entertainment that ever was in Plainsville, and they want Joyce to decorate the souvenir programs. Once she painted some place cards for a Valentine dinner that Mrs. Link gave. She did that for nothing, but Mrs. Link has sent her $10 in advance for making only 30 programs. That's 30 cents apiece. They're to have cupids and garlands of roses and strings of hearts on them, no two alike, and bars of music from the wedding marches and bridal chorus. Joyce is the happiest thing. She's nearly wild over it. She's so pleased. She's going to buy a hive of bees with the money. Phil groaned, but Mary paid no attention to the interruption. The letter and the package of blank cards for the programs came this morning while she was sweeping, and she just left the dirt and the broom right in the middle of the floor and sat down on the doorstep and began sketching little designs on the back of the envelope as they popped into her head. Lloyd and Jack and Mamma are going to do all the cooking and housework and everything, so Joyce can spend all her time on the cards. They want them right away. Isn't that splendid? Whoopla! exclaimed Phil as Mary stopped out of breath. Fortune has at last changed in your favor. I'll ride straight up to the wigwam to congratulate her. Oh, I almost forgot what I stopped by for, exclaimed Mary. Lloyd told me to tell you that you needn't come today to take her riding, for she'll be too busy helping Joyce to go. Phil scowled. The turn in my fortune isn't so favorable, it seems. Well, if I'm not wanted at the wigwam, I'll go to town today. There's always something doing in Phoenix. Climb up behind me, Mary, and I'll give you a lift as far as the schoolhouse. As they galloped gaily down the road, Mrs. Lee looked after them with a troubled expression in her eyes. There's too much doing in Phoenix for a nice boy like that, she thought. I wish he wouldn't go so often. I must tell him the experience some of my other boys have had when they went in with idle hands and full purses like his. Her boarders were always her boys to Mrs. Lee, and she watched over them with motherly interest, not only nursing them in illness, and cheering them in homesickness, but many a time whispering a warning against the temptations which beset all exiles from home, who have nothing to do but kill time. Now, with the hope of interesting the new boarder in something beside himself, she dropped down into the rustic seat near him, hanging the towels over the arm of it while she talked. You must make the acquaintance of the wares, Mr. Armand, she began. They stayed at the ranch three weeks, and this little Mary and her brothers kept things humming the whole time. They'd give me nervous prostration in half a day if they're all alike that little chatterbox, he answered listlessly. Not Joyce, interrupted Mr. Ellestad. She's the most interesting child of her age I ever knew, and being an artist yourself you couldn't fail to be interested in her unbounded ambition. She really has talent, I think, for a girl of fifteen, her clever little watercolors and her pen and ink work show unusual promise. Then I'm sorry for her, 
said mr armond if she has ambition and thinks she has talent life will be twice as hard for her always a struggle always an unsatisfied grouping after something she can never reach but i believe that she will reach what she wants some day was the reply she has youth and health and unbounded hope the other day i quoted an old norwegian proverb he waits not long who waits for a feast she wrote it on the kitchen door saying i'll have to wait till i can earn enough money to buy one hive of bees and then i'll wait for that hive to swarm and make another and for the two to grow into a hundred and that into two hundred maybe before i'll have enough to go away and study it'll be years and years before i reach the mark i've set for myself but when i'm really an artist doing the things i've dreamt of doing that will be a feast worth any amount of waiting now in less than a week she has found her way to the first step the first hive of bees and i'm truly glad for her but the happier such beginnings the more tragic the end oftentimes mr armand answered i've known such cases scores of them when i was an art student myself in paris girls and young fellows who thought they were budding geniuses who left home and country and everything else for art's sake they lived in garrets and slaved and struggled and starved on for years only to find in the end that they were not geniuses only to face failure i never encourage beginners any more for what is more cruel than to say to some hungry soul go on wait you'll reach the feast your longing shall be satisfied when you know full well that in only one case in ten thousand perhaps can there be a feast for one of them that when they stretch out their hands for bread there will be only a stone but you reached it yourself armand you know you did answered mr ellestad who had known the new boarder well in his younger days to have had pictures hung in the salon and academy to be recognized as a success in both hemispheres isn't that enough of a feast to satisfy most men the face turned to him in reply wore the look of one who has fought the bitterest of fights and fallen vanquished no to have a sweet snatched away just as it is placed to one's lips is worse than never to have tasted it what good does it do me now look at me a hopeless invalid doomed to a year or two of unendurable idleness how much easier it would be for me now to fold my hands and wait if i had no baffled ambitions to torment me hourly no higher desires in life than chris there he pointed to the swarthy mexican digging a ditch across the alfa alfa pasture no he repeated i'd never encourage anyone now to start on such an unsatisfactory quest i'm sorry said mr ellestad when i heard that you were coming i hoped that you would take an interest in joyce ware you could be the greatest inspiration and help to her if you only would there she is now exclaimed mrs lee who sat facing the road it does me good to see any one swing along as she does with so much energy and purpose in every movement mr armand turned his head slightly for a view of the girlish figure moving rapidly toward them don't tell her that i'm an artist ellestad he said hurriedly as she drew near or that i've ever lived in the latin quarter or 
or anything like that i know how schoolgirls gush over such things and i'm in no mood for callow enthusiasms joyce aaron was to borrow some music the wedding marches if mrs lee had them from lohengrin and tannhäuser she remembered seeing several old music books on the organ in the adobe parlor and she thought maybe the selections she wanted might be in them mr armand sat listening to the conversation with as little interest apparently as he had done to mary's after acknowledging his introduction to joyce by a grave bow he leaned back in his chair and seemed to withdraw himself from notice at first glance joyce had been a trifle embarrassed by the presence of this distinguished-looking stranger something about him the cut of the short pointed beard the nervous movement of his long sensitive fingers the eyes that seemed to see so much and so deeply in their brief glances recalled some memory vague and disturbing she tried to remember where it was she had seen some man who looked like this one is it very necessary that you should have the wedding marches asked mrs lee coming back from a fruitless search in the parlor wouldn't a few bars from any other music do just as well so long as you have some notes i should think any other march would carry out the idea just as well no said joyce all the guests will be musicians they'd see at a glance if it wasn't appropriate and ordinary music would not mean anything in such a place i know where you can get what you want said mrs lee but you'd have to go to phoenix for it i have a friend there who is a music teacher and an organist i'll give you a note to her if you care enough to go six miles oh thank you mrs lee cried joyce i'll be glad to take it if it isn't too much trouble for you to write it i'd go twenty miles rather than not have the right notes on the programs mr armand darted a quick glance at her through half-closed eyelids evidently she was more in earnest than he had supposed as mrs lee went to the house to write the note mr ellestad said smilingly mary told us that this piece of good fortune will bring you your first hive of bees give you your first step toward the city of your desire it seems appropriate that this bridal musical should give you your hives did you ever hear that the bow of the hindu love god is supposed to be strung with wild bees no she answered slowly but it's a pretty idea isn't it then her face lighted up so brightly that mr armand looked at her with awakening interest oh i'm so glad you told me that it suggests such a pretty design see i can make one card like this taking a pencil from her hair where she had thrust it when she started on her errand and catching up the old music book mrs lee had brought out she began sketching rapidly on a fly-leaf i'll have a little cupid in this corner his bow strung with tiny bees shooting across this staff of music suspended from two hearts and instead of notes i'll make bees flying up and down between the lines won't that be fine mr armand nodded favorably when the sketch was passed to him very good he said looking at it critically slipping a pencil from his pocket he held it an instant over the little fat cupid 
as if to make some correction or suggestion but apparently changing his mind he passed the sketch back to joyce without a word again she was baffled by that vague half-memory the gesture with which he had taken the pencil from his pocket and replaced it seemed familiar the critical turn of his head as he looked at the sketch was certainly like some ones she knew she liked him in spite of his indifference something in his refined melancholy face made her feel sorry for him sorrier than she had been for any of the other people at the ranch he looked white and ill and the spells of coughing that seized him now and then seemed to leave him exhausted when mrs lee came out with a note joyce rose to go she had learned in the short conversation with mr ellestad that this stranger was an old acquaintance of his so she said hospitably we are your nearest neighbors mr armand i know from experience how monotonous the desert is till one gets used to it whenever you feel in need of a change we'll be glad to see you at the wigwam it's always lively there now he thanked her gravely and mr ellestad added with a laugh he's just at the point now where sharper was when the caravan went on without him he doesn't think that these arid sands can hold anything worth while oh i know exclaimed joyce with an understanding note in her voice it's dreadful until you follow the bee and find your omar you must tell him about it mr ellestad then she hurried away half an hour later she galloped by on the pony toward phoenix lloyd was riding beside her as they passed the ranch she waved the greeting with a note which mrs lee had given her what uh, do you think of her work asked mr ellestad of his friend one couldn't judge from a crude outline like that was the answer she is so young that it is bound to be amateurish still she certainly shows originality and she has a capacity for hard work her willingness to go all the way to phoenix for a few bars of music shows that she has the right stuff in her but i wouldn't encourage her if i were in your place when mr ellestad called at the wigwam that afternoon he found joyce hard at work a row of finished programs was already stretched out on the table before her through the door that opened into the kitchen he could see lloyd at the ironing board her face was flushed and there was an anxious little frown between her eyes because the wrinkles wouldn't come out of the sheets and the hot irons had scorched two towels in succession but she rubbed away with dogged persistence determined to finish all that was left in the basket despite joyce pleading that she should stop those things can wait till the last of the week just as well as not she insisted but lloyd was unyielding no sir she declared i never had a chance to iron even a pocket handkerchief before and i'm bound i'll do it now i've begun there was a blister on one pink little palm and a long red burn on the back of her hand but she kept cheerfully on until the basket was empty tell me about mr armand said joyce as she worked he reminds me of someone i've seen i've been trying all afternoon to think you've known him a long time haven't you yes i met him abroad when he was a mere boy answered mr ellestad 
wishing that he had not been asked to say nothing about his friend's career as an artist the tale of his experiences and successes would have been of absorbing interest to joyce armand doesn't like to have his past discussed he said after a pause he made a brilliant success of it until his health failed several years ago since then he has grown so morose that he is not like the same creature he has lost faith in everything i tell him that if he would rouse himself to take some interest in people and things about him if he'd even read and get his mind off of himself then he'd quit cursing the day he was born and pick up a little appetite then he would live longer if he were at some sanitarium they'd make him eat but here he won't go to the table half the time joe fixes up all sorts of tempting extras for him but he just looks at them and shows them aside without tasting the only thing i have heard him express a wish for since he has been at the ranch is quail oh we're going to have some for supper tonight cried joyce jack shot seven yesterday he gets some nearly every day i'll send mr armand one if you think he'd like it that is if they turn out all right my cooking isn't always a success especially when my mind is on something like this work everybody in the family helped to get supper that night even norman so that joyce might work on undisturbed till the last moment the only part that she took in the preparations was to superintend the cooking of the quail and to call out directions to the others as she painted garlands of roses and sprays of orange blossoms on one program after another spread one of the white fringed napkins out in the little brown covered basket mary please and put in a knife and fork and lloyd i wish you'd set a saucer on the stove hearth where it'll get almost red hot jack if you'll have the pony ready at the door i'll fly down to mr armand with the quail the minute they are done so that he'll get it piping hot no i'll take it myself thank you you boys are as hungry as bears and i've painted so hard all afternoon that i haven't a bit of appetite i'll feel more like eating if i have the ride first the ranch supper bell was ringing as she started down the road on a gallop holding the basket carefully in one hand and guiding the pony with the other everybody had gone into the dining-room but mr armand wrapped in a steamer rug and overcoat he sat just outside the door of his tent his hat pulled down over his eyes turning from the driveway she rode directly across the lawn toward him she was bareheaded and her face was glowing not only from the rapid ride but the kindly impulse that prompted her coming he looked up in astonishment as she leaned over to offer him the little basket i brought you quail mr armand she said breathlessly you must eat it quick while it's blazing hot and eat it every bit but the bones for it was cooked on purpose for you it'll do you good without an instant's pause she started off again but he called her wait a moment child i haven't thanked you ellestad said you were working at your programs like a trojan and wouldn't stop long enough to draw a full breath you surely haven't finished them 
no it will take nearly two days longer she said gathering up the reins again and you stopped in the middle of it to do this for me he exclaimed i certainly appreciate your taking so much time and trouble for me an entire stranger oh no you're not a stranger she protested you're mr ellestad's friend then may i ask one more favor at your hands i'd like to see your programs when they're finished before you send them away there is so little to interest one out here he continued apologetically that if you don't mind humoring an invalid's whims oh i'd be glad to cried joyce flushing i'll bring them down just as soon as they're done that is she added with a mischievous smile dimpling her face which made her seem even younger than she was if you'll be good and eat every bit of the quail i'll promise he replied an answering smile lightening his face for an instant an easy promise to keep he thought as he lifted the lid and took out the hot covered dish the quail on the delicately browned toast was the most tempting thing he had seen in weeks what a kind little soul she is he said to himself as he tasted the first appetizing morsel fairly brimming over with consideration for other people as ellestad says i could do a lot for her if it seemed the right thing to encourage her whether it was the quail which he ate slowly enjoying it to the last mouthful or whether it was the remembrance of a pair of honest friendly eyes beaming down on him with neighborly good will and sympathy he could not tell but as he went into his tent afterward and lighted the lamp somehow the desert seemed a little less lonely the outlook a trifle less hopeless End of chapter 11 Read by Lars Rolander